Um, well, well, good morning to everyone. Um, we're working through our series on growing up, and, um, and we started this series with the idea of being born again in John chapter 3. Um, and the whole idea there, if you haven't been with us, I'll just do a real quick recap. The whole idea is that if you want to be a part of the kingdom, then you have to be born again. You have to be made new by the miraculous work of God. You must be born again. You must be a new creation through God. Last week we talked about the fact that we are continually called to grow. It doesn't matter if it's your first time in church. It doesn't matter if you, if you became a follower of Christ last week. It doesn't matter if you've been in the church your whole life or what you've accomplished, but that we are called to continually grow. And so growing up, it's not just about the infant stages. It's all through life. We are con- called to continually grow. Well, today I want to look a little bit more at, at what it looks like for us to grow. Um, as we grow, there's, there's an interesting thing that happens in our faith, and so I want to talk about that today. But I'll start by saying this. We live in a culture of self-interest, don't we? We live in a culture that values self and that builds up our self, our, our image, a culture that tells you that you need to take care of you. You need to take care of yourself. You need to get what you can. We live in a culture of self-interest. It's all about building our brand. It's all about acquiring what we can acquire. We, they talk about this with athletes. They build their brand. They make sure that they represent themselves. They, they're trying to build this brand so that they can make more money and be more famous. It happens in the business world. Sometimes we see people that are more concerned with their brand, with, with what people think of them and their value, than they are with winning or doing what's right. Maybe in the business world, that looks like someone who's more concerned with, with how people view them and the money they make and how they're perceived than the actual success of the business. We live in a culture of self-interest. And, and it seems like in our culture, the more you grow, the better you become, the more you become great, the more it becomes about you. Well, this culture has even invaded the Christian world. Well, it's been around for a long time. But there's this phenomenon that we've been experiencing over the last couple decades, and that's the idea of celebrity pastors. It's kind of become a thing that if you can become great enough, if you, can, if you can get your name out there, if you can get enough followers on social media, if you can speak at the right places and get your church large enough, you can become kind of a celebrity as a pastor. And, and you guys know this. We've got people that are well-known, that are on TV, that are doing appearances, all this stuff. There's this thing that's happening now where there's celebrity pastors. I want to look at a story of, um, of one celebrity pastor. And I, I'm not going to use their name. Listen, my, I just want to start by saying my goal today is not to tear anyone down. But I want us to look at the idea of it becoming about us about our, our glory and our growth versus it becoming about God. And so one celebrity pastor in 1996 lived out west and started a church, co-started a church with somebody else. 
And over the years, that church became more and more successful, and that, that pastor started a network of church planners that became known all throughout the country. And, and over the years, that church grew to over 14,000 people in five different states and about uh, let's see here, 11 different locations. And so this pastor started a church, and, it, and he grew, and, and his brand grew, and the, the church got bigger, and he got more f famous and more popular, wrote books, made a lot of money. I mean, this guy was, was pretty cool. Um, he, was, he was bold. He was different. And, and people really liked that. And his brand was built. He became somewhat famous, at least in Christian circles, and this isn't a new phenomenon. In fact, one of the things I like to do um, through the week, like when I have some extra time, is I like to listen to other people preach. And so occasionally I'll look up different sermons from different preachers, um, and so there was one person that is pretty well known in the country. They, they've got a big church, and I've always heard great things about them, so I decided I was going to look up a sermon from that pastor. And when I looked it up, I stumbled on, on stories about their rise to fame. There were quite a few famous pastors these days. If you go to conferences, if, if you watch TV, you can see these pastors that are the great pastors. And, and I don't, I, I, once again, this isn't about tearing somebody down. I want to come back to these stories later, but um, we live in a culture of self-interest and we live in a culture of celebrity pastors. And it's easy, it's easy regardless of where you work, whether you're a pastor, whether you work in business, whether you work in school, whether whatever it is you do, it's easy to start thinking that it's about you. We are not immune to this. We followers of Christ are not immune to this problem of starting to think that it's about us. And if we're not careful in this culture of self-interest, it's really easy to start making it about us. We'll come back to these stories later. So, so let me ask you a question. Do you ever dream of being famous? Raise your hand if you ever dream about being famous. Come on. Don't lie to me, guys. Some of you are lying to me. Come on. I'm the only one, apparently. Um, every once in a while, I, I dream about being famous. I'm not going to lie. Like, I think, man, it would be so much fun to be an NFL quarterback I mean, it would be so much fun to be able to walk into a room and everyone looks at you and thinks, there he is, the guy that, I was going to say a Bengals quarterback, but that, that kind of defeats the purpose in some ways. Like, there he is. Yeah, that's harsh. I'm sorry. Um, sometimes I dream of that, or, or honestly, I'm a basketball fan, and obviously, I'm, I'm six foot four. I'm really slow. I don't jump very high. Um, I never had a chance of making it in the NBA, but sometimes... Sometimes I like to think, man, what would it be like? I even, I even get this crazy thought that like, okay, I, I turned 36 a few days ago, so I'm, I'm fairly young, but in NBA terms, I'm not that young. In fact, when you go to sporting events, this has been really weird for me, um, when you go to sporting events and you realize that all of the athletes are like 15 years younger than you, that's a weird feeling. All of a sudden, it's not like someday I'm going to be. It's like, oh man, my day's kind of passed. 
But every once in a while, I get this thought that like, oh man, if only like something happened and I got a chance to try out and I could, uh, maybe, you know, not really. I know that it would never happen. But I get this, I, I get this idea of, I, I get this dream of like, oh man, what if, what if I could become famous? I know some of you do this. Some of you didn't raise your hand and you do this. Do you dream about being famous? Or even, I'll, I'll be totally honest with you, as, even as a pastor, sometimes it's easy to think about Man, if I, if I just do this and, and people saw it, then, oh man, people could, I could really have an impact. And It's not about me. We live in a culture of self-interest, and sometimes I'm just being really upfront and honest with you when I say that sometimes I get drawn into that. Sometimes I dream about being famous. <laughs> that ship has sailed, I think. We all want to be liked, right? We all want to walk into a room and have people look at us and think, they're here finally. This morning, Megan walked into the sanctuary and like four people were like, hey! And I thought, man, nobody ever says that when I walk into a room. <laughs> people are just like, there he is, all right, good, go ahead. We can move on. Well, we all have that natural human feeling that, that we want to be great. We want to be liked, we want to be loved, we want to be important. Well, today, I want to look back into John chapter 3. It's where we started a couple weeks ago. But today, I want, to, I want to look back into John chapter 3, and I want to look at a story of John the Baptist. We see John the Baptist throughout um, the Gospels. We see um, in, the, in the story of Jesus' birth that, that John is actually a relative. We see in other Gospels, we see in the Gospel of Mark, that John the Baptist actually baptized Jesus himself. And so John the Baptist pretty big deal, right? It's a pretty big deal. Related to Jesus, baptized Jesus. I mean, this guy's a big deal. He was, he was this great preacher, and it describes him as, as kind of a wild man that lived out in the country, but, but he was pretty good at what he did. And, and so we're looking in John chapter 3, verses 22 to 30. It says this, after this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John was also baptizing at Anon near Salim, because there was plenty of water and people were coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, Look, he is baptizing, and everyone is going to him. So let's just stop. I want you to paint this picture in your head, okay? And, and so John is with his disciples. John's a pretty big deal, okay? He's done well. He's been preaching, and he's got disciples. How many of you have disciples? Anyone? You don't have to raise your hand. That, uh, that's kind of weird. But John's got disciples. He's become a big deal, and he is out baptizing people, and it says at the same time, Jesus is there baptizing people as well. And I think this is hilarious because it says um, in verse 23, it says, now John was also baptizing at Anon near Salim because there was plenty of water. You have to have water to baptize, right? But I think that's funny because in my head, I get an immediate picture of the wild, wild west, and there's just one little pool, and John's standing there, and Jesus is standing there, and I didn't do that very well. <laughs> and yet, there's not enough water for the both of us. But there was enough water, so they could both baptize, right? 
And so John and Jesus were both baptizing because there was enough water so they could baptize and people were there. And, and so there was enough water. They're both there baptizing. And John's disciples, because John was a big deal, John's disciples come to him. And there's a problem. They, they're thinking, John, you're awesome, right? But look over there. That guy you were with earlier, he's baptizing too, and everybody's going to him. What's the deal? Have you ever felt that kind of like jealousy that John's friends have there? They come to him and they're like, hey man, everyone's going to him. What's the deal? You're a big deal too. Why aren't people coming to you? Have you ever felt that before? Have you ever felt that jealousy of like looking at somebody else and thinking, oh man, why are they getting all the credit? Why are they getting all the attention? Once again, I like to be really honest with you, and so I'll tell you that occasionally I'll go to a pastor's meeting or I'll go to district assembly or general assembly, and sometimes I'm sitting there and I see other people and everyone's making a big deal about them, and I just think, oh man, like nobody, nobody makes a big deal about me. It's not the right thing to do. I'm just being honest with you and telling you that that's what I experience sometimes. But John's disciples come to him and they're like, hey man, they're all going to him. What's the problem? Occasionally, my mother-in-law will say this because we take the kids over there. We've got the four boys, and we'll take them over, and maybe they don't give her enough attention when they get there. They make a big deal about seeing, um, seeing Gandalf. That's Jerry's name. And Carol will say something along the lines of, what am I, chopped liver? What's the deal? That's kind of what's happening here. John's disciples are like, everyone's going to him. What are you, chopped liver? Come on, you guys have all heard that before, that saying. Do you ever get this attitude about others? Maybe who are receiving more credit. Maybe someone at work is receiving credit and you feel like you deserve credit and you're thinking, hey, what about me? Or, or what about sometimes we do this in the church, we look at another church that's growing and growing and we think like, hey, we're pretty awesome too, what's the deal? Why is everyone going there? Or at work when somebody gets promoted or you get passed up for something or maybe even just something as simple as you're getting ready to go to lunch and somebody comes in and says, hey, buddy, do you want to go to lunch? And you're sitting there and you're, you're not invited. And you think, hey, what about me? That, that's what's happening here. It's easy to start thinking this on our own because, like I said, we are a people of self-interest and so it's easy to start thinking about yourself and thinking like, hey, what about me? And what we see here is that it's not just John, but his friends are coming to him and saying, hey, man, you're a big deal. Why is everyone going over there? What about you? What are you, chopped liver? And John must, how tempting is it when your friends come to you and start saying things like that? How tempting is it to start thinking that it's about you? Or that you're good enough. His friends are pumping his head full of this stuff. Can you believe this? Why him? The temptation must have been so great for John to think that he was great and to think that he deserved credit. But we're going to read on in verse 27. To this John replied, A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends to the bridegroom, the friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him, and is filled with joy, is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. 
That joy is mine, and it is now complete. And then this last line, I love this last line. He must become greater, I must become less. And so John's friends have come to him, and they've said, hey man, you're a big deal, why is everyone going to that guy? And John has all the reason in the world to sit there and think, hey, I got disciples, I've done good things, I've preached, people are asking about me, things are good, why are they going to him? But John's response is incredible. Amidst his head being pumped full of egocentric thoughts, because the truth is, that was a culture of self-interest as well, we are a people of self-interest when we're talking about humans. Uh, even though his head is being filled with all these thoughts, he gives a response that I think has great implications for us today as we talk about growing up. John responds by painting a word picture for him there, by painting a picture of a wedding. And John says, I am a friend of the groom. So, so in, our, in, our, in our culture, maybe that would be the best man. And so John says, listen, I'm not the groom, I'm just the best man or just the friend of the groom, but the groom is the main event, the groom is the big deal, and the bride belongs to the groom. Now if you read scripture much, then you'll know that, that Jesus says that the church is the bride of Christ, that scripture says that the church is the bride of Christ. And so it's perfect that John paints this picture, and as people are saying, hey, what about you, man? John says, hold on. I'm not the groom. I'm not the man of the day. I'm, I'm a friend of the groom. I'm here to support the groom. I'm here to make sure that the bride and the groom are together. John knows his place. He understands where he's at. He wasn't there for glory. He was there to usher in the real groom, which is Jesus. The truth is, weddings aren't about the best man, are they? They're not about the best man. They're about the bride and groom and their covenant with God. And so John understands this, and he says, I'm not the groom. I'm just here to make way for the groom. In verse 29, he says that the friend waits and listens for him. And then this is a really important part and is full of joy when he hears the groom's voice. Have you guys ever been at a wedding, and you're full of joy when you hear the groom's voice because you're like, oh good, he's here, he didn't leave. We can have a wedding now. But John's saying, I'm the friend of the groom, and, and I am filled with joy when I hear his voice because the truth of the matter is, John all along was there to pave the way for Jesus. John wasn't there to pave the way for John. John wasn't there to proclaim his own greatness. John was there to pave the way for Jesus, the real, the true groom, to be with the bride, which is the people. And so John looks and says, those people, the bride, they're not for me. They're for him. And I just want to make that happen. And so we're to be full of joy, not reluctance because his time to shine was over, not indifference, not jealousy, but joy. The friend of the groom, the best man, is typically one of the closest friends. A couple weeks ago, or about a month ago, I guess, I had the opportunity to go to a friend's wedding. And, and um, that was Brandon Rose. He's from this church, and it was out in Colorado. And then Rob Root, who's also from this church, was the best man. And we were laughing as we were talking at the reception and even the day before. We were laughing because we were saying, like, Rob really is 
the best man. I mean, he's been the best man in like three or four different weddings. How many of us can say that we were several people's best man, but Rob was the best man? And I I just got to tell you, if, if you don't know Rob Root, you're missing it. Because Rob loves his friends. He cares about his friends. And it was so awesome to see him at the wedding, at Brandon's wedding, because they grew up together and he was so close to him. But Rob totally was there to support Brandon. He was so excited for him. He was, he was just there to support and make sure that things were good. He wasn't the groom. He was the best man. He was there to support the groom. That's the job. That was John's purpose. That's what John is saying. He was just there to lead the way for the groom. His friends thought that he should be the groom, that he should be the man. John says, no, Jesus is the man. I'm just paving the way. We have this problem a lot in our culture, don't we? How many bands have split up because because two different people want to be the groom, Someone doesn't want to be the support system. The Cavs just lost Kyrie and LeBron because Kyrie didn't want to be the friend anymore. He wanted to be the groom. This happens all the time in our culture because we live in a culture of self-interest and our natural tendency is to think that we should be great. And so we see this happening and John says that's not what's happening. Sometimes we're tempted to be the groom instead of to be for the groom. But John's example is important for us to understand today as we talk about growing up. And so this is what I want you to hear today. Growing up is not about becoming greater in ourselves. Growing up is about pointing to the one that is greater. Hear me out when I say that. Growing up, when we talk about growing up in this series, it's not about you becoming greater in yourself. It's not about building your brand. It's not about you becoming great. It's about pointing to the one that's greater than us, God. John says it best in verse 30. He must become greater. I must become less. It doesn't matter how long you've been growing up. It doesn't matter how how much you've done, how much you've accomplished. He must become greater. We must become less. That's what growing up is is really all about. Let's go back to those celebrity pastors we were talking about. Here's what ended up happening with with that first pastor that I talked about that grew his church to over 14,000 people and had a network that he founded and everything seemed like it was good. This is is an article that I read. This is quotes, and once again, I'm kind of taking out his name and his church's name because I I don't want to do that, but here's what it said. After nearly 20 years as the lead pastor of the church, He has resigned. He has faced mounting criticism over church leadership and discipline within the church and how he wrote and and promoted his popular books. The decision comes less than two months after the pastor stepped down from leadership while the church investigated charges against him. Earlier in August, he had been removed from the church planning network that he founded. So this guy built his brand, built this huge church, wrote books, became famous, And what we see is he then resigns because he's in trouble, and he's removed from his network that he started. And it goes on. It says, the church board concluded that he had been, listen to this, had been guilty of arrogance, responding to conflict with a quick temper and harsh speech, and leading the staff and elders in a domineering manner. 
He had never been charged with any immorality, illegality, or heresy. And then this last line, most of the charges involved attitudes and behaviors that reflected were reflected by a domineering style of leadership. Basically what happened with this mega pastor, with this celebrity pastor is, it became about him. It all became about him. He was arrogant and selfish, and what ended up happening is he lost his pulpit. It was about him. Growing up was about him, not about Christ, not about God's work in the world. It was about him. One of the major, major things that got him in trouble was the way it said that they promoted his book. One of the things that happened was the church was actually paying a promotional service to make sure that his book was one of the top sellers so that he could be famous, so that the church could be famous. And we see that what it was all about was building up their brand, not about building the kingdom. The other pastor I talked about that I ran across um, the articles about, there were many stories about the way that he built his brand, about the way that he became a celebrity pastor. In fact, it talked about how he went and studied under another megachurch pastor and studied the ways that he had become great and he had become famous and he had become rich. And it talked about how, actually, I mean, this is crazy stuff. It talked about how the people that determined what that pastor got paid were actually other megachurch pastors. And then he determined what they got paid. And so there was this system that they were kind of taking care of each other. And it was all about becoming great. Seems like a little bit of a conflict of interest, doesn't it? Seems like it was about him. Now listen, I'm not trying to ruin your faith in pastors today. That would be pretty dumb of me, wouldn't it? I don't want to ruin what you think about pastors or the church. I just want us to have an example of that, that no matter what you do, no matter what field you're in, no matter what you've accomplished, if you're growing up for your own gain... You're missing what you're called to. You are not called to become great in your own name. You are not called to become rich in your own name. You are called to point to Christ. And I, I don't, I honestly, I'm not trying to throw stones today because I told you earlier, and I believe that every single one of us has that inside our heart that we are selfish and we want to take care of ourselves and we want to build our own brand. But that's not what we're called to do. We are called to be made new, to be born again. Our first birth, when we were born into being selfish, was we, we were born and, and we immediately had this selfishness to us. We wanted to take care of ourselves. We wanted, to, we wanted what we wanted. But our second birth, when we're born again, we are born to become like Christ, to get rid of that selfishness. And so we saw the example that John said earlier, and, and when we talk about being born again, we're being born again, and we're growing up to do what? To be more like Christ. So I want to look at Philippians 2, 3 through 8 here. It says this, Paul says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. Do you hear the thought behind that? It's not about you. It's not about your interest. It's not about you becoming great. And your relationships with one another have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So we're being born again. We're growing up to become like Jesus. This is the mindset that Jesus had. Who being in very nature God 
did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. So if we're called to be born again, if we're called to become like Jesus, if as we grow up we're to become more like Jesus, we just got the blueprint of what that looks like. Jesus was not about his own greatness. Jesus was not about becoming the greatest figure in the world. Jesus was about the plan of the Father. I love verse 6. He was by very nature God. If anyone had the right to be about himself, it was Jesus, right? But he did not use that status for his own advantage. He was about the kingdom. It says he was obedient to death, even death on a cross. That's why we hear him say things like, not my will, but thine. Jesus was about the kingdom. Listen, if we are born again, if we are a new creation, and if we are growing up becoming more like Christ, then we have to learn from John and we have to learn from Jesus. And we have to have the mindset of this. He must become greater. I must become less. We have to be willing to empty ourselves. It can't be about building our brand. And so this is a thought that I want you to think about as, as we finish up today. The more you grow, the more you grow up, the more your life should point to Christ. The more you grow, the less it should be about your brand and the more you should be pointing to Christ. That's what we are called to. That's why we are born again. That's why we grow up, so that we can point to Christ. And so I want to ask you a question today. Is your life all about building toward your own success or glory? Are the things you do every day, whether it's at work or whether it's the nice things you do, are the things you do every day about building your brand? Or are you growing and pointing towards the one that is greater, Jesus? Sometimes in the church we can get this mindset that, that we have earned control that we have earned the ability to get our way, that, that we have grown up, and so, hey, it's all about me now. That's not what we're called to. We are called to be like Christ, to empty ourselves, and the greater, the more we grow, the less it's about us. He must become greater, I must become less. As you grow to be more like Christ, empty yourself. As you grow along your journey, don't let it become about you. Don't let it become about your greatness. And so this week, in everything you do, in the way that you treat people, in the good things, in your work, I want you to think about the fact that this isn't about you. This is about pointing to the one that is greater. This whole series about growing up is not so that we can become this church full of perfect people that's awesome and everyone looks at us and we're famous. This is about building the kingdom of God. This is about becoming like Christ. And here's the coolest part of this. You know what's going to happen if we make this all about ourselves? Nobody's going to want anything to do with us. 
Because nobody wants to help make you greater. But you know what? If we will empty ourselves and we will live for Christ and we will be all about the kingdom, I believe that that's what attracts people more than anything else. We need to point to the one that is greater. And so I'll ask one last time. Are you pointing to yourself? Are you building your own brand? Or are you living for the kingdom? Are you pointing to the one that is greater? That's what we're called to do. Father, as we come before you today, um, I, I think this is something that every single one of us has issue with. I think every single one of us, whether we want to admit it or not, constantly feels thoughts about ourselves, constantly as we are tempted to feel like it's about us. We're constantly tempted to think about how we can make our life better, how we can become greater. But Father, as you call us to grow, as you, as you create us new, and as you draw us closer to you, and as you make us more like you, it should be less and less about us and more and more about you. And so, Father, I pray that you would be with each and every one of us. I pray that you would be with our church, and I pray that you would help us to point to you, not to ourselves. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you, and we pray that you would continue to transform us this week. Amen.